Hello, and welcome to Film Unhinged. My name is John Gillens, and for this week's episode, I am excited to give you my thoughts and opinions on Avengers Infinity War. I just saw this on opening night last night, and I got home really late, so I couldn't record it right afterwards, but I'm really excited to share my thoughts and opinions on it, and as you well know that uh, I'm not the biggest fan of everything that Marvel puts out, but I feel like this one was a little bit different, so I'm hoping that my opinion, you know, for whatever uh, benefit it has for you, maybe helps you understand where I'm coming from, at least. At the, at the very least, I should say. Before we start on the actual commentary, if you have anything uh, such as suggestions or, or opinions on what I should review in the coming weeks, please let me know. Email me at filmmakerjohn, that's J-O-N John, at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Film Unhinged, and please rate and review me on Apple iTunes. You can also find me on Stitcher and Google Play. Every rating and review really helps elevate this podcast, and if you do so, I'd greatly appreciate it. Now, we're just going to head straight in to my thoughts and opinions on this movie. And I'm going to do a spoiler section, so I'll just be very broad in my, my opinions and specifics in the very first part. And I'll let you know when I get into spoilers. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more so when they needed us we could fight the battles that they never could I I was looking forward to this movie. I I like Marvel films to a certain extent. I don't love them. And there's a lot of people out there that love them and swear by them. And I am not that guy. There's a lot of fun that can be had. I remember the very first Marvel film I remember sitting down at uh, when Iron Man came out in 2008. I went to a midnight screening and I was super pumped and I came out of it loving it. I really did. I enjoyed it a lot. It doesn't quite hold up for me on a personal level just because I feel origin stories for me are really hard anyway. I enjoy the build up the first time, but once I've seen the origin story, I really enjoy just getting into the meat and potatoes of them actually being that person who they are and maybe even some of the struggles that they have later on, which Honestly, with the Iron Man series, Iron Man 2 sucked, and Iron Man 3 was, it was good, but it wasn't great, and I liked it better than Iron Man 2, and it was probably on par with Iron Man 1, but the Avenger movies, I enjoyed the first one, and I didn't really love, I didn't really like the second one, Age of Ultron. I wanted more from the villain, and and 
I don't know. There was some uh, quirks to that movie that I just didn't enjoy as much. And I've, I've watched them all. I, and I recently saw Black Panther. And I would say, if you want to know where I'm at on my level of what I like the most in the series of Marvel Universe, I would say that the Winter Soldier movie is probably my favorite. And Black Panther is close to up at the top. It still, to me, doesn't beat Winter Soldier. And even Winter Soldier has some things that I don't love about it. But I really, really enjoy watching Winter Soldier. And I even revisit that one on a... Uh, you know, periodically. So when this came out, I had already seen everything else and I was really excited. So I, uh, let me, let me explain my buildup. I was really hoping this was going to be good because I I use movie pass and obviously movie pass has the detriment where if you, you have to be in the the vicinity of the theater in order to get your ticket, you can't pre-order. And so anywhere that they have reserved seating is kind of a, uh, a, back step for movie pass just because I can't select the seat until I get there. And when I get there and in a movie like this coming out on opening weekend, there's no way that I'm going to get a really good seat or at least the seat that I want. So I decided to go to a theater here in, in the Bay area that I thought, okay, this one doesn't have reserved seating. I'll get there early and I'll just make sure I get my ticket. So I was having some issues with movie pass, probably because it's a huge uh, weekend for them specifically because the movie uh, Avengers is coming out. And so probably whoever has purchased the subscription to movie pass is also wanting to go see it. And so their app was giving me some grief. I finally was able to get my app working. And so it was uh, ready to make the purchase and I was going to see the seven o'clock show. I had gotten there about an hour early and both the six, seven and eight had all sold out. And so then I ended up having to wait for the nine o'clock show. So I bought my ticket and this was about six 30. I walked in and they had already started a line for the nine o'clock show. So I jumped in the, the line and sat there for two and a half hours waiting for the time to get in and grab my seat. And of course I got the per- best seat in my opinion in the house because I was fifth or sixth in line. So anyway, I was hoping this whole time I'm like, this better be worth it. This better make the fact that I went straight from work to this thing and have waited two and a half to three hours just to get into the movie. And then the movie was going to let out probably close to midnight. And I was like, Oh, this better be worth it. I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be. And I don't stay up late past midnight ever really anymore. So this was a, a huge gamble for me. And I was all right. Anyway, beyond that, I'm watching the movie and overall, I have to say, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was fun. It was better than a lot of the other, you know, Marvel films that they've done recently. I liked it more than Ragnarok. Um, and obviously they're, they're on different spectrums because Ragnarok was really kind of a goofy movie where this one had lots of serious undertones. And maybe that's why I liked it so much better as I, and, and that's what I like about the DC universe is their seriousness. I, I'm all for a good joke, but I can't stand it if it's just joke after joke after joke. I want to be able to have, I want there to be emotional weight to the film. So this one definitely had some emotional stakes and it was nice to actually see stakes in a Marvel movie as well. I mean, you go into something like civil war and you expect, all right, what, what kind of casualties are we going to have just friendship or psychological casualties? Not necessarily anybody's going to actually get hurt. I mean, spoiler for Civil War, if you haven't seen it, obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably have seen everything up to this point. But with uh, War Machine going down, I thought, okay, finally, not that I wanted him to die, but I thought, okay, finally, there's a, there's a, a consequence to all this fighting. 
not just the fact that they're not going to be friends anymore or friendly with each other anymore, but that we're actually going to lose somebody. And of course, you know, Rhodey doesn't die. And of course, Stark has some kind of technology that enables him so that his legs who are, were, which are no longer usable are usable. And so it just, they always pull the rug from underneath me. I want to invest emotionally in these characters, but I can't ever do it because they don't ever commit. And that's my major issue with a lot of these films. But this one, they committed to some things. Now, overall structure of their universe, it doesn't necessarily also hold up either because, they, again, the rug being pulled out. And I'll tell you more about that in spoilers. But I, I enjoyed it. There's some things that I didn't care for. And again, more specifics would come later. But I didn't care for some of the dialogue. I felt like a lot of the dialogue was clunky. And it's hard. I get it. You have tons of characters where just an Avengers movie alone you have six to seven different characters that you're trying to interweave and tell stories that are coherent and um, uh, progressive for each individual. Now you're taking that and adding it to a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy that has five characters of their own. And then you've got other films that we've brought into this thing. And it's hard. I get it. It's not an easy task, but they've done it. They they said, we're going to do this and we're going to make a film that has all these characters in it. Well, they got to commit to some kind of coherent storyline. And I felt like what it ended up being was a bunch of vignettes of each character. And to, to me, that was unsatisfactory just because some of them I liked more than others. And those people that I liked more didn't get as much story as the others that I didn't care for as much. Um, and I don't know, overall, like, it, they did what they had to do. I mean, nobody's going to go see this movie if it's over three hours and it's already close to that runtime. But for what they could do, it was fine. My adjustment to that would be do something like what the Matrixes did back in the early 2000s where when Matrix Revolutions came out, they released the, the third film of the Matrix series six months later. So that way it's okay. You, you service what you need to do in that film. And then we don't have to wait another year or two till we get the next movie in that series. So now that we have a whole another year until the next Avengers movie comes out, especially because Ant-Man and Wasp really have nothing to do with what we've just experienced in infinity war. They may have some repercussions like, Oh, we'll talk about it or mention it, but it does actually not have anything to do really with them. I don't know. It's just kind of frustrating. Anyway, uh, one of the best things about the film that I thought was the interactions. I loved being able to see the banter between initially, you know, you got Dr. Strange and Tony Stark. And then of course, Tony Stark with Chris Pratt's Star-Lord and uh, seeing them go back and forth was a blast. Like it was really fun and they had some genuine moments. And oh, and when uh, seeing Thor and the Gal Guardians of the Galaxy actually kind of go back and forth, that was a lot of fun as well. And you you've grown to know who these characters are. And so their, their quirks and idiosyncrasies are so much more apparent when you recognize that this person is now going to check off the list of all these other things and ticks that make this other person who they are. And you're going to see how they react. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's almost like if you had friends on different sides and trying to see your friends meet these other set of friends that don't know each other, just to see how they interact It'd be, you know, if they were paid money to actually act and do things. Otherwise, like most of my friends don't really interact with my other set of friends and they probably wouldn't have as, as much entertainment value as of course we see in the, uh, the movie, but the action of course is fun. It is a lot of action. 
And there's some, there's some moments where it actually pauses to kind of revel in the, the drama and the, the, I don't know, social interactions, but a lot of it is just action. A lot of it is just CG. And that was one of my major gripes about the film for everything. And I, I know I can't help but bring up, I listen to another podcast every single time they talk about Marvel films, they always bring up DC movies. And every time they talk about DC films, they talk about Marvel movies. You can't really not compare the two when you have certain aspects of each one in these different universes. So my comparison though, is all the crap that justice league got over Steppenwolf's CG. Honestly, I felt like can be also applied to some of the characters in this film. Now, granted, you look at the the rolling credits at the end, there's a lot of groups that participated in making the visual effects for this movie and the the uh the animations for the film. But you can't blame one company, right? So I'm sure they farmed out one specific character to a group and had them focus on that character. I can, I mean, I can imagine that it's not necessarily the truth, but I can see that possibly being their option. And there's a few characters when we talk about the children of Thanos that just, I thought they looked like crap. I I didn't, I didn't enjoy their CG at all. And I just, I get lost in the nonsense of the CG Gosh, I, I sometimes I wish I could just watch a movie like this where it's a little bit more practical. And honestly, you know, maybe a lot of those those effects of the adrenaline pumping in through my veins would be lost because it's harder to do. But at least I know what I'm watching is real. I that's what I think I like a, a lot about the Mission Impossible movies is that they just present exactly what is happening and there's nothing really elevated beyond a few additional wires. We're not talking about tons of green screen. And I feel like this is just a bunch of pixels running around in front of me and not necessarily elements that are tangible. So that's a big gripe I had over the film. Uh, yeah. And I already talked a little bit about the dialogue, the very, very beginning of the film. I'm not going to say specifics again, but I'll, I'll mention it later. I just felt like the introductions to certain characters after the very first five minutes was really bad. Like it just didn't seem together very well. It felt like it was haphazardly tried or forced to be together. And it just stuck out really uh, apparent to me when I was watching it. Honestly, see this in the film in the movie theaters because the group I was with oh my gosh like I said it was sold out so every theater seat was filled everybody in there was like really crazy about this film they loved it and they loved this universe and so every moment uh, of a character of their of their uh, favorites would pop up on the screen there would be uproarious applause and honestly it was fun for a little while and then it started getting irritating because you're covering up dialogue and that's another thing that I had an issue with was sound design on this was at least the mixing, maybe the score and the sound effects were super loud. But then anytime we had dialogue up there, why was it so hard to hear? Why couldn't we have that just elevated a little bit more? I don't know. And, and then their loud applause over different moments that carried over into jokes. I missed probably half the jokes because they were too loud, but it was a fun experience just to, to be around a group of people that love it so much that they were totally invested from, from, the first second. Um, I would have to say though, I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was an enjoyable ride. Like I said, it's, it's not my favorite still of the entire universe, 
but it's it's better than a lot of the last ones that I've seen. Uh, they they were able to balance some tone well enough in the film that they could add some humor and add some um, seriousness to the film. But again, my major complaint is, and, and this one has it in spades, there's lots of moments where they continually just kill their own moment. They build up to a certain situation and they've made me feel like I'm totally invested and they pull that rug out from underneath me and say, nope, I want you to laugh now. And I'm losing my, the emotional core to this film. Like it just dissolves. I don't know. That was a frustration for me. And I, I hope that they do something different, but obviously they're not because this movie's going to make tons of money. And obviously they think what they're doing is exactly what everybody wants to see. So why would they change their, their formula? Anyway, that's my general opinion on the film. Uh, let's actually jump into spoilers because there's some things I want to specifically point out and talk about. We'll get into spoilers right now. Okay. Spoilers. Let's talk about some of the dialogue. Now there is a, a line in a born identity. I think it was born. It's a born movie. Born identity is what I think it was. Julius Stiles is in the room with Chris Cooper's character and something happens the lights of power goes off and Julia Stiles turns and says, it's born, isn't it? That line, it drives me nuts because of course it's born. Did we have to fill like some kind of contract with Julia Stiles that she had to have so many words in this film and then we had to make her say these words specifically, otherwise her contract would have been voided. I can't stand it when she says that. Of course it's born. The audience isn't stupid. We've gone with you this whole journey and we see this point. Yeah, it's born. We, we got a, a really good idea that it is born. So in this film, there's something very similar to that. The first one I want to talk about is when we first arrive in Scarlet Witch and Vision's apartment in Scotland. When he's at the window, and of course now he's in more of a human form. He's got the pulsating mind stone going on in his head and it's bothering him. And the first words out of Scarlet Witch's mouth is it's the, it's the stone, isn't it? The, the rock is bothering you. It's a stone, isn't it? I'm like, ah, really? <laughs> Do we have to say stupid words like that? Is it, is it because, you know, there's a possibility that somebody's not going to understand why he's grimacing over in the corner. It's so dumb. And I don't know. I'm not, I'm not picking it apart. I feel like this, these things just stood out so apparent to me. Like if I was filming a movie and I had somebody say dialogue like that in front of me, I would think to myself, I need to change this because it sounds stupid. Or if I was the actor in the movie, I would look at the line and say it out loud and, and do my best to convince the director to change the line because it sounds stupid. The other part that I thought was really dumb and clunky was uh, Hulk after he gets his, his butt handed to him by Thanos uh, Heimdall sends him off quickly over to uh, Earth he lands where Doctor Strange is, is at and he's of course now back to Banner he's not Hulk anymore which I thought was really kind of a jip in this entire Avengers movie we see Hulk fight at the very beginning for one minute and then he's Banner the rest of the time we don't get to see Hulk ever again I don't know I thought that was pretty Pretty cheap of them to not throw Hulk into this mix again. Especially since if you look at any of the trailers that they had for the film, Hulk is in it. You see him running with the rest of them. And that shot's never in the movie. Anyway, he's laying there 
after having transformed back and he's just saying Thanos Thanos and he's like freaking out and I'm thinking Mark Ruffalo is a distinguished actor he's done a lot of indie films he's done a lot of things where he's been you know appreciated for and recognized for his his work as a dramatic actor and him delivering those lines sounded like the worst acting I've ever heard him do. It made me sad. It reminded me of like John Turturro in Transformer movies. When I saw that John Turturro was in a Transformer movie, I thought, man, this guy sold out. Of course he did too when he did some Adam Sandler movies too. But I mean, it's just sad. The caliber of acting that this guy has in his hands, in the palm of his hands. And he chooses to say these stupid words. Again, just what is with the dialogue? Anyway. Some of the back and forth between uh, Stark and uh, Doctor Strange, I felt like when we are introduced to all of them, it was very weird. It didn't vibe as well. Of course, you know, you have the uh, banter between the two heroes that I just mentioned, just because of who they are, their egos are very similar to each other. And so you'd, you'd expect them to have a, a similar reaction of as each other when they're discussing things back and forth. But I felt like the whole scene was just forced. Like we have to put these guys together now and whatever, this is why, boom, we'll make it happen. And then that's, it didn't work for me. I felt like the dialogue just didn't seem things together in this, in the situation, like they were thinking it was going to the next thing I had an issue with is I love that Spider-Man's in this movie and I love that we have spider sense in this, uh, MCU. But what bothers me is, is that why did he get spider sense after all these things have already been going on? We already see the thing, the big ship in the background, Spidey sense should be a preliminary thing. We have something happening and he, 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 he already senses it before it actually comes and then he gets the, that little tingle and turns around and there it is. So my mind says that ship shouldn't have been there yet. He gets the tingle and as he turns, pop, that ship shows up and that's why the spidery sense helped him out. Of course, you got to love his little exchange with his buddy, how he creates a distraction and then he gets out. So that was a lot of fun. And honestly, there was a lot of good back and forth with Spider-Man. I loved some of his jokes that he would swing, like, you know, when we were trying to get rid of that, uh, that one crazy character is poking Dr. Strange on the, on the, uh, ship. He was using alien references and I, I just love that they incorporated a lot of that kind of pop culture-y, uh, um, movie info because again, you know, he's a teenager and it kind of makes sense. Besides the dialogue, the other interactions were fun. But let's talk about some of the stakes that I, that I was upset about because I wanted to be more invested in the deaths that were taking place. Now, of course, right at the get-go, out the door, Loki is gone and Heimdall is gone. Immediately, Loki's just dead. And you're thinking, wow, all right. And, you know, it's a sad thing. Loki's a great character. But and for a lot of people like him more than I do, but he he's a great actor. I love Tom Hiddleston. But this movie's not going to pull any punches. It's literally going to make crap happen. And it's awesome to see that they're actually going to push the, the line a little bit, not make it so uh, simple for these guys to get out of the situation and, and survive. So those two are gone. And Heimdall's not a huge main, main character, but he's relevant to story and kind of, and I love Idris Elba and he's out. And so you're thinking, wow, okay, this is where it's starting. Where do we go from here? So when we start seeing Gamora die, 
like when she's sacrificed, that was emotional. And I feel like that was probably that and the Loki scene were probably the most emotional scenes in the film that I actually felt weepy with just because those didn't seem like there was any other alternative option for them. Although down the road, you kind of think, well, if they're going to do another guardians movie, they're probably going to want Gamora in there. They can't just like take her out. So in the back of my mind, I got this Marvel ideas, uh, how their extended universe is going and it's, it doesn't fit. It doesn't, it doesn't get my emotional, uh, core, uh, rattled because I know they're probably going to just bring her back and have her in another film. And that goes with everybody that happens after the snap of the fingers from Thanos, which was pretty bad. A, but so we we lose Spider-Man. Of course, Spider-Man's coming back. He's got another movie. So why, why do I feel any emotional uh, connection to his death? It's just, it's, it's a cheap ploy. In my opinion, you lose winter soldier, you lose Dr. Strange, you're losing all these characters that, okay, but you're all going to be back anyway. It just, it bothers me. And I get it, you know, comic book movies are comic book movies. And, and a lot of people can, can point out the, the fact that, well, Superman died and Batman v Superman, that was only in the second film. And I can, I can see that as an outside, you know, outsider watching this, they could probably think, oh, you know, he's dead. Oh, that's horrible. Another one who's like myself, I've read the comic book uh, series of death of Superman. So I knew what was going to happen with Superman. I knew he'd come back. It was not inevitable for me. These, because they've already projected all these future films, of course, they're not, there's no heaviness to the situation. The emotional core is gone. And honestly, that's, that's what drives me the most nuts about this film is that I can't ever invest enough of my care and, and, and desire to even care more about. Like I was close on Spider-Man when he drifted away into Ash, I was, I was extremely close to getting emotionally choked up, but it quickly faded because I knew exactly what was going to happen. So with Iron Man, that one pissed me off too. Now, granted, Dr. Strange had to do what he had to do because he's run this thing 14,605 times, right? And so if he saw the one opportunity for them to beat Thanos, this is what he needed to do was by giving up the time stone, knowing that Stark was going to die. But Stark of course, pulls out some nifty thingamabobber that seals up his wound. And of course, he's not going to die. That drives me nuts. I'm like, give me some stakes with these ultimate uh, Avenger characters. You have nobody of the major team dying in this thing. All of them were side characters. And again, dispensable, essentially. And and who's to say, like, again, how long they'll be gone. You'll notice that when all these people started, like, vaporizing into the air... Hulk didn't leave. Thor didn't leave. You still got uh, uh, Black Widow. You still got Iron Man. You still got Captain America. I mean, the core members of that team are still there. What? Why? Why not even just one or two of them? Let them go. Like everybody in my theater was gasping for air. They couldn't believe that Groot was gone. They couldn't believe that Iron Man got stabbed. But to what end? Then they just sit there and looking soup uh, like stupid because they like have all this like built up angst of oh no we're gonna lose them and then of course they're not because they're not they're not gonna leave. 
uh, it's too much of a money machine for Marvel to kill off these characters. And I really hope that by the time we hit the last Avengers film, that we'll actually have a moment of, we lost this person and it's okay. We don't have to bring them back. They're dead. And honestly, contracts are the only thing that are going to keep people from coming back. So when Chris Evans is done with his contract as Captain America, that's when he'll die. So we already knew that he's got one more film on his plate. Of course, he's not going to die yet. So those are the spoilers or main spoilers that I really wanted to talk about today. The last one I want to mention is the end credit uh, scene with Nick Fury and Colby Smulders, who I can't stand. Um, but they're going through the same experience that everybody else is going through. People are disappearing because they're dying at random and Colby Smulders dies. And then as Nick Fury is reaching in his pocket, he's starting to feather out as he's reaching, he grabs this beeper, this old school beeper, and he manages to hit the button of send to, uh, whoever this may be going to right at the moment, we don't know. And as the beeper falls down, of course, now, if you're thinking this is current time and he's got a beeper, why does he have a beeper? Now, does this mean that of course it's going to captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, does this mean that the beeper is from another, like it communicates to Carol in the nineties because that's when her movie is going to actually take place with Brie Larson, who I'm way excited for because I love Brie Larson. I really hope that the movie's great. Um, but does it communicate to, uh, Captain Marvel here in the current time? And if it does, why hasn't Captain Marvel been a part of this whole thing anyway? Why not until now is Captain Marvel even included in the story? Granted, they were thinking about including her. Maybe they just, it was a, a late thought, but it just seems like with the overarching story of everything, why would they not ever include her as a mainstay in any of the films or at least mention the character saying where this person's preoccupied and hopefully her movie kind of answers some of those questions as to why she hasn't taken part in any of these battles up to this point, especially if they're set in her movie in the nineties. So Anyway, that's, that's my spiel on Avengers Infinity War. I thought, like I said, I, I overall enjoyed it. There's a lot of things that I had issues with. And honestly, there's, there's hardly a movie that I've watched that I've ever walked out without having any qualms or complaints about. So for what it's worth, I felt like this experience for me was a better one. So all you that understand or think that I am a, a hater of Marvel movies, please reconsider that and just say, Hey, look, you know, John actually liked this one. That's a step forward in my opinion. Anyway, with that, we'll close. If you have any feedback or suggestions, you'd like to help me uh, understand for my podcast or for movies to review in the future, you can email me at filmmaker, John, that's J O N John at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at film unhinged and please rate and review me on Apple iTunes. Every review really helps and I would greatly appreciate any kind of feedback that you have. So thanks again and have a great week.